Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of What in the World. My name is Jake Lee and I am your host of this podcast. And today we're actually going to be listening to an interview that I was able to record way back in early 2021. So in this interview, I am uh, talking to Joe and Kay Harding, who are longtime Elmbrook field workers who uh, predominantly have worked in Ethiopia and right now are their stateside, North Carolina, uh, really focusing on Ethiopia still, as well as uh, Chinese believers who are in Ethiopia seeking to reach um, people for Christ and really spearheading a lot of those projects, uh, working on resourcing uh, missionaries, working closely with um, the Kalihiwit Church, which is um, a church that uh, partway through this episode, we're gonna do a little bit on that where you get to hear more about that. And yeah, I'm just excited for you guys to hear this interview. Um, I had a really fun time uh, visiting them in North Carolina. That's actually something that we at Elmbrook uh, take a high priority in is trying to make sure we visit our field workers. Um, usually um, focusing a lot more on around the globe, but obviously with this last couple of years with everything with COVID and the pandemic, uh, we've been really restricted in that. So we've really tried to refocus our efforts uh, during this time on visiting field workers who are stateside. And just to see how we can encourage them, what we can learn from them, and um, have them be able to find different ways to speak into the life of our church. And this podcast is one of those. So. Uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. Um, this is my interview with Joe and Kay Harding, and right off the bat, we're going to dive into a cultural blunder. We've had many conversations, so this is just a continuation of our conversation, but I wanted to record some of it so that uh, more people at Elmbrook would have the chance to just learn a little bit about you two. But before we get super into that, could you share a story you shared earlier, Kay? Well, a cultural blunder story about you making maybe uh, not approaching culture in the correct way. Oh, many, many of those cultural blunders were made. Uh, but when Joe and I were newlyweds, we moved to Nigeria. Joe had already been working in Nigeria. I had been briefly in Sudan. Joe had grown up in Ethiopia, so he knew the culture of Africa, and specifically Nigeria, very well. And he invited, we invited, some friends from um, that Joe had known from when he lived there before, Nigerian business people. We invited them to dinner. And I was a bit of a perfectionist and very um, mm -hmm. individualistic, coming from Wisconsin. And so I... I can relate. I, I worked very <laughs> hard to make this roast and potatoes and vegetables and jello salad and yeah. all these things that were very familiar to me and none of it turned out the same as if I had made it in Wisconsin. Yeah. Everything was different and but I got got it together and we waited and we waited and we waited and our friends never came oh, to no. dinner. And, and I was like, and their phones, we didn't have phones that worked or anything, so there was no way to communicate. Well, we put the dinner away, we ate, we, you know, and then the next night, at the time that we were having dinner, they showed up and they said, oh, this was the <laughs> soonest we could come because we had guests arrive at our house, and so we had to care for them, and so now we're here. And it was really a cool experience because I just had to pull something together. And that I began to realize that it wasn't about 
the perfection of things, that it had to be looked like this. It was just welcoming people in mm -hmm. and saying, we want you here and not shutting the door because they didn't come at the right time. And it was such a great experience for me. But there were many experiences where I had to keep learning that because I would slip back into like, oh no, you do it this way. This is how the right way to do life or the right way to do relationship. And and the Lord just graciously stripped that away and has made life so much richer because the door is open. People can come in and it's not about performance. It's mm -hmm. about heart and loving them. But I remember another time when I was having some women, some dignitaries come for tea. Mm -hmm. And I was wanted, again, everything to be very nice and the flowers and everything. And the sugar that I had gotten from the market was so dirty looking. So I decided I'm going to wash this sugar. Okay. Do you know what happens when you wash it's gonna sugar? It's going to dissolve, right? <laughs> In my brain, I'm like, is there a way to wash, wash sugar, sugar that I'm unaware of? And I just had to laugh. So I thought, this is, you know, you've got to get over my own. And so we had sugarless tea because I'd washed all my sugar down. <laughs> you tried to wash sugar. But there were a number of things like that that, that happened. And the Lord, is, the Lord is very kind and kind of helping well, and I remember when we lived in Lagos, Nigeria, and we there were no phones again, and we were the only missionaries in a very, with a large area. Mm -hmm. There were millions of people that lived there, and so different people would come from different organizations and everything, and we didn't know they were coming. Sometimes they needed a meal, sometimes they needed an overnight. Sure. And we would just keep feeding and feeding, and I remember being very pregnant with our first child, and Joe was out of town, and the house just kept filling and filling and I was making a spaghetti sauce or something and I thought, I just can't do this. This is too, and I would go into my room and I'd get on my knees and I'd pray and I'd go back out and I'd add more water to the spaghetti sauce or whatever to try to make it to stretch. And, and then the Lord just was so kind and saying, let people help you. Hmm. You do not need to do this alone. And I started just asking people if they could you know, just do, and it again makes life so much richer. So, so many lessons, and I'm still learning them, but very grateful for those lessons. I appreciate you sharing those, Kay. I mean, it's obviously very humanizing. We get to hear about you, but it's, for me, it's really encouraging just to hear how you, this Wisconsin young woman, going over there and learning all of these things and like, for me, I'm a perfectionist as well, wanting to do things in a certain way. Yes. We're trained in America to be efficient and blah, 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 blah. And we're not used to that mentality of just welcoming everyone in continually. Like yeah. that's, that's not normal. That's not normal, but it's beautiful. If yes. It, you know, it really is. And I'm, it's just, and now it's really helped our life here in Greensboro because mm -hmm. somebody comes by and they, they wave because we're out in the garden or something and say, do you want to come in and have a visit? And we're doing it differently because of COVID right now, but it's just such yeah. a natural way to live. And I think it the Lord uses it. Mm -hmm. And then when people see we're living in community with our kids and these families, I mean, I feel like it's just a, um, like a loudspeaker for God's mm -hmm. grace or a uh, and his richness, and I think the Lord is really using it to welcome people into our lives here, and we're excited about it. Well, it's cool for you guys because for UK, going overseas, being in these different cultures, 
messing up, but then learning and understanding the value of it now that you've transported it back to America, the lessons that you've learned over there have been setting you up, both of you guys, for success here in getting to know your neighbors and seeing the gospel move out. And that's just a really beautiful thing because like, like jo Joe, you grew up over there, but Kay, you didn't. And so, but now you've able to bring back that knowledge here and are using it um, to advance the kingdom here, which is really, for me, very exciting to yeah. hear. And, and why would we not? I, don't, I think we all agree that you know, we don't stop just because our location changes. Or, mm -hmm. you know, we have such a such an opportunity and a responsibility to keep pouring out and mm -hmm. keep filling in. And Joe's so good at it just encourage because Joe just every place to him is a place of relationship and welcome. That's how he's lived his whole life. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. The next part that I would really like to get into um, in just our little conversation is there's so much that I don't understand about what's going around on the globe, what God's doing. And the way that I get privileged, obviously, that I get to talk to people like you guys and hear what's going on. And I'm wanting people at Elmbrook to know kind of what's, what's going on, especially in Ethiopia right now. There's a lot going on with the Ethiopian church, which I've been hearing from you, but... Could you guys just summarize a little, what's happening in Ethiopia right now? Well, there's a lot happening that's very challenging for Ethiopia at this time. Uh, they've built the huge Renaissance Dam, all with their own money, not foreign money, on the Nile River. Yeah, that's, so, that's huge. So that's huge. So you can imagine Egypt and Sudan, how they're feeling, and you know, mm. what if... Ethiopia blocks the water, you know, that we yeah. live by, you know, and just that is a huge thing. And, and they haven't been able to come to terms yet hmm. uh, with the filling of the dam, especially when rainy season comes in mm. June and all. This is becoming a crisis. Yeah. Point. So you have that going on. Then there's been huge ethnic political unrest in the northern part of the country. Okay. And that has just been very very challenging uh, for the government. And then elections are coming up in June, which is always huge in, mm -hmm. in African countries. And then on top of that, you have the COVID spikes. Mm -hmm. You have a locust invasion. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the COVID, you know, people can't travel. Uh, it's just caused so many other, so many problems. But God, <laughs> through yeah. all this, is at work. And we're seeing uh, an amazing thing happen amongst the uh, Muslim population where we're seeing many, many Muslims come to faith in Christ. Hmm. And uh, the SIM-related churches, the Kalahiwit Church, has a fellow named uh, Wubishet who... Uh, is the one that's spearheading this ministry. You know, he's just an incredible guy. But we've set up a training center. There are now uh, 29 Muslim background women who are going through this training. It's for two years, mm -hmm. three months each time. And there's uh, 51 men also doing this for two years. And I think this is the fifth group of men that are going through, but how God has used these people when they go back to their Muslim villages and all, and planting churches and 
uh, we're just seeing a, an amazing number of people come to Christ. And many of them, like in this current group, 12 of them are former imams and sheikhs. So, so what is that? Just help. So first off, we're talking about people who are, they grew up Muslim. Right. right. And which is very, very deeply culturally and ingrained in part of right. your identity. Right. Exactly right. But you're seeing people like that come to faith in Christ. But yeah, explain for people who wouldn't know what that means. The So, um, like you said, it's Islam is... is culture, you know. Yeah. And yet, uh, when they come down to the truth of who Jesus is, and uh, they, you know, they don't believe he actually, you know, died on the cross mm -hmm. or resurrected, and so it becomes, you know, what is truth? And so, when uh, during the Ramadan, oftentimes they'll see a vision of Christ speaking to them, and then these. Uh, new Muslim background believers speaking into their lives, and through that, uh, they're seeing change, and and they're coming to Christ mm -hmm. and, and growing in Him. And then, what's incredible that's happened is uh, these Muslim background believers have been able to share the resources that we've sent during the locust uh, plague and all, and them sharing with their neighbors and all. Hmm. And the government leaders have seen this and, uh, and have seen how the Christians have been persecuted. And so they're promising security for them now. Really? They've given uh, places for six churches to be built. They have given uh, wow. new burial plots for Christians because mm -hmm. they can't be buried in Muslim plots. So this is just miraculous kind of stuff that's yeah. happening in areas that are close to 90 to 100% Muslim, you know. Wow. So we're just uh, grateful to be a part of this. When in the world. In this part of the podcast, we go back into the history of Elmbrook and sometimes the greater church's history to just see how God has moved. Uh, in this What in the World, we're going back to 1927. Or SIM, which is Sudan Interior Mission, started the Kalahiwit Church in Ethiopia. When they arrived, right away they managed to have a few believers be part of this small, fledgling church. And they began translating parts of the Bible. But soon after the missionaries had started this tiny church, there was an Italian invasion in southern Ethiopia, and the missionaries were forced to flee. At this time, the small church only had 12 believers, the Book of Mark was translated in their language and a few other small pieces of scripture. And for five years, the missionaries had no way to contact this small church. They wondered, did the church die? Are the believers gone? Did they renounce their faith? What happened? Then, five years later, missionaries started to enter back and see what had happened to the Kalahiwit church. And they were shocked to find that this church of 12 believers had become thousands. They had seen a move of God take place in these five years of occupation. During this time, two new missionaries came to Ethiopia to help nurture and grow and train this expanding church. These missionaries were the parents of Joe Harding. Joe and Kay continued in their parents' footsteps and continued to minister in Ethiopia. 
and we at Elmberg Church have had the privilege of playing a small part in the story of the Kalahiwit Church. This church today has 10 million members and over 15,000 churches. Over the last five years, 62,500 Muslims have come to faith in Jesus. And besides that, this church has a reputation for loving its community. It has humanitarian efforts which provide food and water and education to those who otherwise wouldn't have it. And all of this is happening while the church faces heavy persecution and their buildings are burnt because of their faith. Elmbrook has also had the privilege of being able to invite multiple members of this church into our doors to the International Center. This church will hit its 100th anniversary in 2027, and their hope is to see the number of churches and the number of believers doubled. This is something that we can join them in prayer as they seek to see the kingdom of God expand. This has been One in the World. And it's so, I wish everybody, and we will in heaven, but I wish everybody could meet some mm -hmm. of these people. Because when you're in, we were with um, Shantani and Vinod um, before COVID and at this training center. And, and Shantani and Vinod were brilliant in interacting in, in their, their time with these, the background believers, but um, the Muslim background believers. But when you are with them and you see their joy and their mm -hmm. gentleness and you can't think, I can't, you know, some of them were previously killing Christians yeah, and were wow. so anti-everything that they now believe in. And, mm. and yet God has radically transformed their lives and they are so in love with Jesus that there is no sacrifice too great to mm. give. Yeah. They... They ask for nothing. They just, no fear. They, right? And they, yeah, wow. they just like, why would we, if, if you think, well, what happens if you go to your community and they attack? Well, that's part of what could happen. You know, the sacrifice and mm. all of that. They're so in love with Jesus and so in love with the people. It's really humbling and beautiful mm. to see their lives poured out to their communities. This is crazy. Like, obviously, this is... Um I shouldn't say, I want to say unprecedented, but I mean, it's a move of God and we've seen oh, yeah. move of gods before, but in this area, especially with Muslims, this is unprecedented. This is new. And so to just see that happening and see the attitude that, like you said, these people who previously, some of them were killing Christians, yeah. Yeah. are now willingly accepting persecution and potential death. Right. And the one thing I don't think we've touched on a lot is they're also wanting to go. They're not just staying in Ethiopia. Could you guys uh, fill us in on that a little bit? Yeah. Right. Um, SIM has helped create a, a, a mission setting, an East Africa mission setting. It's totally run by Ethiopians and all. We just give advice. Mm -hmm. But they are bringing in and training missionaries to go to unreached areas, areas where it's so hard for us to go to, you know, sure. like Mali and Sudan and Americans wouldn't, Americans wouldn't get in. Yeah, Pakistan, yeah, China, exactly, exactly. all over. And they're, they're in all these various countries and God is using these Ethiopian missionaries and some Kenyans and South Sudanese, uh, to bring the hope and light of the gospel to areas that are totally hmm. dark. And, I mean, their stories are incredible. Yeah. And what's exciting, I mean, we just had the joy of 
uh, seen some of these people before they were missionaries and point into their lives and to see what's happening now is just, mm -hmm. it's kind of the next wave of mission. It seems sure. like in the West, you know, it's kind of died down. And now the African church is sending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very exciting, very encouraging. Well, it's so cool. And I mean, this is something that I won't get into it because obviously this is a huge topic, but when we're seeing now the, where is the main mission sending force coming from? A big thing in the mission world, you guys know this, it's obviously shifted away from the West and is becoming these areas like Ethiopia, where right. they are now the ones that are really stepping up to the plate. And we're seeing that's where... I mean, the West is still going to send and should send, right. but we're seeing the shift geographically. And now people, besides saying West to the rest, we say from everywhere to everywhere. Yes. Right. It's yes. this new almost era of mission history that we get to be part of. And you guys are part of because yeah. you're part of it in the West, but you're also part of it because you have so many relationships um, in Ethiopia and in various places in Africa. And I find that really Ooh. exciting that we get to be on this new... Um, I guess, stage, epoch, whatever you want to call yeah, it, yeah. of mission history, which is right. really exciting. It's really a paradigm shift, isn't it? It's it is. A, it's, very, it's very cool. And we, we are so thrilled that we still get to be a part of it. And we're so thrilled that Elmbrook continues to be a place where on the cutting edge of all this and really mm -hmm. a heart for the world. And um, I'm so grateful because I, I just know back... In the 70s, when I was, came to Elmbrook and I didn't know anything really about mm. Jesus, I never met a missionary until I went to Elmbrook Church. Sure. And, um, and to see what God has allowed um, me to experience and us to experience, and to see that there is still this, this weaving of faithfulness and mm. call and obedience and going, you know, we just want to cheer it on and just... For people to go for it, I mean, there is, yeah. there's, it's, there's no, it's just a, a, an incredible richness that God has has poured out on our lives, and we're very grateful. I love that. So to wrap this up, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys: Do you, well, I mean, for Elmbrook's sake, do you have anything that you want to impart on us? Either something that you want to challenge us to consider, someone who listens to this. Uh, a step they could take, or maybe a lesson to take from the Ethiopian church? Uh, it's kind of an open-ended question. Just what would be something that you would like to see me, uh, for example, and then others step up and maybe try to um, live life a little differently or try to pursue? Mm. It was hard for, for us, like in Ethiopia, they want to build a church and we'd get the money from the West to help them. And, and then sometimes helping hurts mm -hmm. and they don't learn how to mm -hmm. raise the resources themselves and send out their own missionaries like these Muslim background believers. They just sent 32 uh, yeah. cross-cultural Muslim missionaries to other Muslim areas all by the local national church. But that was over years of learning and teaching uh, self-sustaining mm -hmm. ministry. And so uh, I think that's really been wonderful to see uh, a, a lesson that we've seen in Ethiopia, which is allowing them to, to yeah. send. What about for you for Elmbrook? Is there something that... 
I think it's just a really a challenging time for Elmbrook and for all the churches just to quiet the voices around us so that we can really hear from the Lord and be attentive to that. And I feel like more than perhaps ever before, but but is that we just need to keep going to truth and to God's word and to be on our knees so that we don't lose heart, we don't lose hope, that we still we aren't controlled by fear or any of that, but that we will still see the beauty of God, the love people well, and trust him with building his church and growing his kingdom and that he is doing a new thing again and to to just he's the one that's in control all these other voices are just voices and so I think it's just and then I think when we do that we will be a blessing to each other we'll be a blessing to our church and we won't miss out on the incredible things God has planned for us Mm -hmm. and um so I would just say go for it and trust him and Mm -hmm. and be a blessing you know just well, thanks, Joan Kay. I really appreciate you guys and making a little extra time for me to record part of our many conversations. Oh, so thank you, too. Well, thank you for coming here again. You and Mike so have much. been a blessing to us, the whole church is, but thank you for coming and visiting us here in it's our new fun. mission field. I love it. <laughs> Great. Thank you, guys. Okay. So I had a really good time talking with Joe and Kay when Mike and I were out in North Carolina and seeing their their new life now as they're stepping into this next season and beginning to transition to roll off of support as field workers, but in the meantime, still continuing to have a huge impact globally. And as I also listened uh, back on this episode as I was editing it, one thing that really stuck out to me was this kind of duality of hardship, but also movements of God that we see kind of in tandem. And Ethiopia is a great example of a country that has uh, gone through so much. Um, Just, I mean, just talking about the locust plague, not even talking about the pandemic and just the persecution that believers are facing with churches being burned down. But then also seeing just mass amounts of people coming to faith in Jesus. And a lot of times throughout history, that is the pattern we see, kind of this this suffering, um, hardship, and then through that, God is still faithful and moving. And so it was really encouraging just to be around Joe and Kay. And I also want to let you guys know that since um, we recorded this, um, we were able to actually have a few of the people that were mentioned in this podcast visit Elmbrook real briefly, the Ethiopians, and they were able to talk to us and some of the pastors in our church, and we were able to hear from them. And one thing that I didn't include in this podcast, but I wanted to include as we wrapped up is what one of them said, who was a Muslim background believer, and he was talking about a training school where they're training these previously Muslim believers who are now following Jesus to go and share their faith and go into communities to be a witness. And once they graduate through their training and their program, their commission is go and die, live for Christ and die for Christ. And for some of them, they'll say, you used to die for Allah, now die for Jesus. I think this is a good thing to put in perspective for us, especially here in the States and at Elmbrook Church because the quote-unquote persecution we sometimes think we face is nothing, um, is nothing in comparison to this. And this is something we should be on our knees praying praying for and praying to God that God would use um, these men and women 
who are part of this move of God. And this is just one small example of what's happening in Ethiopia, but it's something that we need to be praying for. And that's that's kind of my closing challenge as we wrap up this podcast. And I look forward to talking to you guys next time on What in the World.